Thank you, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm so thankful tonight that we serve a God that is not determined. His miracles, what He does, who He is, is not determined by what we think or what we believe He should be or how we think He should act. But He is absolutely the God of this universe. And He has decided the way that He is going to do things. So even though it doesn't make sense in our minds and these miracles and, and people being thrown into pits with lions and God protecting them and God just doing the unthinkable in so many different circumstances, it's incredible to know that we serve a God that is that way, that a God that, that can do all of those miracles and that miraculousness, including filling us with the Holy Ghost. And I believe that He can do that uh, with us tonight. So one more time, let's just lift our voices unto Him. Let's just thank Him for being that great and miraculous God that He is. Let's just praise Him for what He has done, not only in our lives, but the lives around us, and knowing that He is just the God of this universe in Jesus' name. God, we are so thankful. Lord, we give You the praise and the honor for who You are, God. I give You the praise for what You are going to do here tonight, God. Lord, we give You the glory, God, for what You have brought us out of and into our futures, God. Lord, we give you the praise for what you are going to do inside of our church, Lord. We give you praise for what you are going to do inside of our households, God. That it is only through you, God. It is through your strength and by your ways tonight, God, that you are going to perform the miraculous in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I am excited about what God is going to do here tonight and I can just feel his presence in my house and I'm believing that you are going to feel his presence in your house as well in Jesus name and so we are going to dive into the lesson here tonight and we are talking about an abundant life and and I have been just so ecstatic about what these lessons have been doing for me and I'm believing it's going to do the same for you um, and the same thing tonight I mean there's just so much scripture that is here so much evidence of how great our God is and how he truly wants to provide us with an abundant life, that he doesn't want to leave um, anybody out of this, that if anybody decides to not have an abundant life, it is because they have decided to do that themselves. But God does not want people to remain that way. He does not want people to remain hopeless or in despair or in tough circumstances, but absolutely tonight, um, he, he wants to, to bring people on this live stream into his abundant life, but not only that, but he wants the entire world to be brought into his abundant life as well in Jesus name and so that's what we've been speaking about and as you can see on your screen there um, tonight we are going to be speaking about the abundant hope that we have abundant hope and so um, again abundance uh, when you think of that word it just means something that goes beyond what may be the the normal something that goes beyond what maybe we expect um, but it is abundant it is always available it's always there for us to tap into and so that's the cool thing about having an abundant life in, in Jesus, an abundant life, an abundant hope, and uh, abundant strength, and all these things that we've spoken about is that it's there. It's there for us to reach into, um, for us to participate in, and have a part in, in Jesus' name. And so I'm thankful for that tonight and what uh, what he's going to do through this. So let's look at the first uh, few scriptures here and see what we're going to be talking about here. It says this in 1 Thessalonians. It says, But I would not that you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Now let me just explain one word in this real quick here. The word asleep, um, a lot of times in Scripture, if you see that word sleeping or asleep, it means death, that somebody has died or passed away. Um, it does not mean that somebody is sleeping on the couch after eating a bunch of potato chips. Um, but it means that they are they, they have passed away. And so that's what this scripture here is referencing. That it says um, not to be uh, ignorant and, and not to um, be sorrowful for a long amount of time for these people who uh, have passed away. Um, and, and so he's basically saying here that we, we aren't to sorrow as other people who have no hope. Um, so there's there's people who don't know God, who don't know scriptures like we know them, and, and they have no hope in reality when they pass away or they, they, they you know eventually cease to exist. However, those of us that do have hope, we can sorrow for a season, but ultimately God will eventually take us through that. And that's what we're going to talk about here tonight. And so another scripture that I want to bring to you is a scripture that shows us that Jesus was sorrowful at a particular point in time. It says this, that when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have ye laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come 
and see. And so they're telling him to come and see where they have laid this, this man named Lazarus. And eventually Jesus wept when he heard all of these various things. He was very close to him. And so that's the story, the introduction that I'm going to bring to you tonight about Jesus. It says this, when Lazarus was laid in his tomb, Jesus had still not arrived in Bethany. His inaction at the request of Mary and Martha could have a, uh, appeared to many, especially those two women, as Jesus not caring for Lazarus as they once thought. However, the Apostle John reassured his readers that Jesus truly did love Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. A few days had passed and Jesus finally made his way to Bethany, accompanied by his royal band of followers. Upon arriving, they were immediately greeted by a disappointed Martha. She was distraught and grieving of the loss of her brother. Jesus tried to encourage her by declaring Lazarus would rise again. Here was God manifest in the flesh, declaring his almighty power, yet profoundly affected by the loss he was personally feeling inside of his flesh. After Martha returned home confused and disappointed, Mary came to where Jesus was. She fell down at his feet, weeping and expressing many of the same sentiments as Martha had. And at this point, the love Jesus had for Lazarus was beginning to produce emotions in him the world had never yet seen. When Jesus was brought to the tomb where Lazarus had been placed, his sorrow came to the surface. And in one short verse of scripture, the Apostle John captured a moment so utterly amazing. Jesus wept. For several moments, the Messiah found himself grieving the loss of a dear beloved friend. A gathering of Jews were profoundly touched by the emotions being expressed by Jesus. And if anyone doubted his love for Lazarus, that moment would have forever changed their opinion. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. At that sacred moment, Jesus tasted of the sorrow that we as humans feel at the loss of those that we love. And because he sorrowed, we can have hope. The prophet Isaiah told us that Jesus would be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief in Isaiah 53 and 3. Yet his death would ultimately conquer the power of death. So now we do not sorrow like people without hope and instead we sorrow while holding on to hope weeping may endure for a night but joy is going to come in the morning and that is scripture those are promises that god has given to us and so i'm excited about this because we not only um have these scriptures that show this to us but we also have jesus who lived this out who demonstrated to us that it is okay sometimes to be sorrowful or to weep during certain circumstances that sometimes our emotions are going to be pulled different directions and ultimately I know that we need to put our emotions and our flesh under subjection to God but there's also a reason why he gave us emotions that there is a purpose and a particular need for that one need that I can see is having a desire to reach the loss or a desire to see people uh, not go to a place that is opposite of heaven but a desire for people to reach heaven and in, in, in that particular circumstance and so those are some of the reasons why we might have emotions but Jesus demonstrated something strongly here and so in the first part of this lesson please don't don't turn this off don't tune out don't walk away from this because if you tune out too soon you're not going to get the gist of the message at the end that is extremely powerful and that will encourage you and push you beyond um, maybe any extreme that you have felt before um, so stick with me through this and we're going to believe God to do some incredible things again if you have the questions I will ask those um, I'll respond and uh, you can tap into those tonight and so the first point says this, that this life is filled with sorrow because of the losses that we experience. I don't know that any of us on this could say that we have never experienced a loss in our lives. If you're a human being, you very likely started to experience loss from a very young age and it continued to, to grow through many different circumstances and many different places. For some of us, our losses might seem greater than for, for others and some people may have seemed to be able to skate around certain losses. However, we all have experienced loss and we all have experienced the emotional pull that those losses begin to put on our lives and how tough that can truly be. 
And a lot of times after loss, we experience something that is called grief. And, and I heard an apostolic counselor say this uh, recently, that, that she said that a lot of people, they don't understand it in, in all reality, but a lot of people aren't battling something that's huge or large in their lives, but what they are battling is grief. And they don't understand that a circumstance, maybe even something super small, uh, might have caused grief inside of their lives. And she said that we, we need to uh, be sensitive to that, that in a lot of people's lives, even something small, a, a small loss or even a large loss can cause grief inside of people's lives. And so grief is a necessary process. It says this, that grieving allows survivors to adjust to the changes that loss has made in their lives and to reorient themselves to a future life in which the beloved person or object is physically absent. So grief is, is that process that allows us to go from what used to be the normal to our new normal, to what used to be the way into what we are going to go into uh, now. And, and you may have experienced this even during COVID that you might have lost some things. I know that for all of us, we have lost the, the services that we, we were able to come into and, and be a part of. And, and we'll get those back at, at a certain point in time and we'll get to that point. But for many of us, there's a longing inside of us that says, man, I want to get there and I want to worship God with freedom like I've never had before in those particular places. I want to worship God without a mask on or doing these different things. And, and even that can begin to cause grief inside of us. But it's not necessarily a bad thing if we're just entertaining it at the beginning. If grief continues for a long period of time, then that's when we need to begin to focus of God, what do I need to do to get rid of this? Because grief can lead us away from God if we allow it to go on for too long. And so grief is a good thing, though. It's a good thing when we face losses. And so at the next point, it says that we sorrow at the loss of loved ones because of death. It's absolutely true. And so though we all know death is an inevitable part of life, we still face grief over it. Even when we're apostolic, and, and apostolic funerals are amazing in the fact that you show up and people are excited and praising God that somebody went to heaven. And, and that's an exciting and joyous part um, however, we still face grief inside of our lives that now we have to learn to deal without that person or that person inside of our household. And I know that uh, some of us may have experienced that more than others and the struggle that, that comes with that. But let me say this tonight, that God can encourage you through that, that God lets you go through that season because he knew you could handle it. And absolutely because it, maybe you couldn't handle it, but he will give you the strength as we're going to learn this lesson to handle the loss in life, to handle grief, to handle challenges that are going to come up. God will give you the ability to go through those things. And so let me ask you this question. This will be the first one that I ask you to respond to tonight. But what are some promises from scripture that we can hold on to when we experience losses of our loved ones? What are some promises that we can hold on to. I think I mentioned some of those already, um, but what are some promises that maybe you all have held on to in the loss of, of loved ones or the people around? Um, my mom said, amen. She's just a few feet away from me that direction. Um, let's see, Sister Carnahan, the longer you live, the longer your list of losses grows. Absolutely, that that is very true. Um, it, 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 and and uh, I'm, I'm experiencing that more and more as I get into my elder 20s you know it feels like i've been around the block quite a few times but no i'm just kidding i haven't so i'm still learning absolutely just trying to buy some time while we answer this question here what what are some promises that scripture gives us when we experience loss what loss what are some promises i've given you some hints already um given given some things away here so we'll see um if you all have this i apologize if i keep looking down from the camera all my notes are here my phone is over here Brother Wheeler says to cast your cares on him for he cares for you. Yes, absolutely. He will never leave me nor forsake me. Absolutely. I believe that with y'all. And and I, I hope that you all have the faith in these, these scriptures as well. I love this, that you're quoting these scriptures, these promises that he has given to us, the strength in Jesus' name. We can cling to that. God is just. Yes, he is very just. And you don't know which scripture, or she doesn't know which uh, scripture says that. Yes, absolutely. He is a just God. He is. And he will be very fair across the board. Um, we've all heard the term that life isn't fair, but I believe that we serve a very gracious and merciful God. Brother Carlos says, if in this life we only have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Yes. Yes, only we have hope in Christ. We do. We do have that hope in Jesus Christ and we trust in Him, and we believe in Him. We can comfort others with the comfort that God gives us. 
Yes, it's it's so true, so true. You know, I, I heard some interesting um, phrases with this, and I know that I'm touching in an area that maybe I, I don't know much in, but this counselor that I told you about who was speaking about grief earlier, she said that one thing that we, we must be cautious about when somebody is grieving is saying things like, I know what you're going through, or kind of our, uh, our um, phrases that we use sometimes um, to try to make somebody feel better. Sometimes we don't need to say those things. Sometimes we're not meant to make somebody feel better. That's, that's God's job. But sometimes all that we need to do is just be an ear for them to hear, be there to pray for them, be there to encourage them in the Lord, provide them with scripture and that sort of thing. Um, really during those times that somebody might be grieving, these are some of the best ways. And I've tried to completely adjust that inside of my life um, as far as I, when I, I try to help people that I don't tell them I know what you're going through because I, I don't. Um, even if I've been through it, I'm not in their particular circumstance. And so I, I try to be very careful about using words like that. And so I think we can use wisdom in some of this. And, and uh, that somebody, uh, you just reminded me of that. But Brother Rose says, um, severing says uh, everlasting, or scripture says everlasting life, I, I believe is what you're trying to say there, bro. So absolutely everlasting life. And we're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about these different pieces here and so before we dive into this abundant hope and what we truly have hope in all these areas, let's talk about some of the sorrows, some of the things that we will actually be sorrowful for inside of this life. And so the first point says this, that we sorrow at the loss of friendships and relationships. And believe me, I, I can say this as being a single guy right now, um, that relationships, um, friendships, things that we go through, places that we, we, we've been in, I think we all know those different uh, relationships that have hurt us at particular points in time. I remember uh, back in high school that there were times that my friends began to separate themselves from me because I would uh, they would want to do something on a Sunday morning. They would want to go ride dirt bikes or snowmobiles or something like that. And I would tell them, guys, I, I can't go do that. I have to be involved in church. And because I, I needed to be involved in, in what God was doing and in church and those things, that those friends began to separate themselves from me. And it hurt because I knew that I was doing a good thing unto God, that I wanted to draw close to God, but I also knew that those people were maybe separating themselves from God or not desiring the same thing inside of their lives. And so as God begins to put a calling on our, our, our lives and in, in, in our um, in, in our relationship with Him, it's going to begin to separate us from maybe some other relationships around us. And, and that can be hurtful, and it can be very sorrowful, and it can cause grief inside of our lives especially those relationships that we have spent the long amount of time within that, that we've become accustomed to that being the normal when those things are cut off we definitely have some sorrow that begins to get into that uh, into our, our lives and so inside of these circumstances when these relationships are broke off we must remember that each party will find themselves grieving in different ways but still grieving nonetheless that grief is okay during some of these circumstances but we must let god begin to take us through that and again, we'll talk about that later on. Another thing that we grieve about or we sorrow about is that the loss of our possessions. Um, so let me let me be careful with this and, and adjust this a little bit. Uh, of course, we should be careful to always make sure that we are serving God instead of our possessions. We shouldn't be serving our possessions or that shouldn't be what makes us who we are, that the car we drive, the house we live in, that should not make us who we are, but God should make us who we are. However, uh, even when that is the case, there are some possessions that mean more to us than others. Let me give you an example. This this speaks about a family who uh, a, a, a father and a mother and their child were riding in a car uh, to their house, and they pull up in their driveway, and they notice that there is a vehicle in their driveway. And as the father begins to get out of the vehicle, he begins to walk up to his house, and this guy with a mask comes running from the back of their house with the door swinging open, just with an armload full of belongings and he throws it into his vehicle and the father wisely gets back in his car and backs out um, so that his family doesn't get into trouble with this man who is now so close to them who is burglarizing their house and the the burglar gets in his vehicle and goes speeding off with some of the belongings from the family and so the family pulls in the driveway and they they walk in the household after calling the police and seeing what destruction has happened inside there and as they're walking around they, they see that this this bag that they had um, had their video camera and is, is gone and so they say well you know we've lost our video camera but we can replace that and and thankfully that will come uh, back around however a few minutes later the thought hits the mother as she realizes that all of their videos of their 
daughter when she was younger were in that bag that every video that they had of their child growing up from a baby on was in that bag and their loss was just devastating to them at that particular moment in time that there was something more valuable inside of that and so that's what we're talking about here that we can sorrow sometimes at the loss of our possessions that we lose something sometimes we drop something or it breaks or if you're like my brother and I, when we were younger children, we're constantly kicking soccer balls around the house and we'd break things off the wall. And then when mom came home, man, we, we better watch out because those were valuable possessions to her. Those were valuable things that maybe had been passed down from my grandma or these different places and, and all of that sort of stuff. But we can sorrow at some of these things. And so no matter where you are at in these categories, if you're a human being, you're probably going to sorrow at these different places. You're probably going to have these emotions that come up inside of your life and they are completely natural and, and you should not shut them down right away, but you should let God reveal those to you and what you're going through inside of your circumstance. And so ultimately from all of these losses, what I think we all have learned is that loss can produce sorrow and sorrow is ultimately a process that takes time. And so I wanna ask you this question because I'm curious what you have to say about it. But do you believe this saying is true, that time heals all wounds, and why or why not? Do you believe that time heals all wounds, and why or why not? And so I know that you may not be able to uh, push this, um, um, or, or, or your, your full text on, on, on this thing, but you can certainly try to answer that the best you can. Do you believe that or not, and, and why not? I'm just going to read through some of these that I, I see that we have here. Um, let's see here. Yes. Uh, Sister Strom says, I am sorry you're going through this. this. is the best thing that I have heard when grieving a death and having a living loved one to spend time with helps. Reading scripture and praying and crying out to God helps too. Absolutely. And it is okay to cry out to God. Um, it, it is okay to, to let God uh, work through you in, in some of those circumstances. It absolutely is. You don't have to feel that you need to cover those things up because that, that is unhealthy. Um, it absolutely is. So I'm trying to be careful how I'm saying some of these things here because we want to trust God in these situations. And again, as the story we read at the beginning, Jesus wept. And uh, so God in the flesh down here in this world, he himself wept at the loss of a dear beloved friend. And so it is okay to experience some of these things. Sister Carnahan says, I believe it does for people who know how to forgive. Scars may remain though. You hit it right on the money there. Um, I don't know if anybody else has a uh, comment here, but that is exactly what I wrote um, right below this, almost verbatim. So, Sister C, you must uh, you must know how to read minds um, in, in Jesus' name. Does anybody else have a response to that? Anybody that maybe doesn't? It does only if you let it, Brother Crow. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, I can I can see what you're saying there. Let's see. Yes, because as time goes on, things don't feel so bad. That's true. That's true. I think there's a reason that God has given us a time. And thankfully, if you have a mind like mine, it's things uh, become, you, you can forget them more easily as time goes on. Um, and so I, I don't think that's a coincidence that God put that inside of us uh, by any means. Let's see if we have anybody else here doesn't look like it so I'm gonna continue on and if any pop up then I will read them tonight in Jesus name and so this lesson goes on to say this that though we experience sorrow in this life we hold to hope at the same time so we've spoken about kind of the negative things in life kind of the things that are challenging but we also hold the hope I see brother Carlos said that time has the potential to heal some wounds however drawing near to Jesus will allow us to heal and become new creatures in Christ and uh, Sister McAdams says, no, it only subsides. That is a good comment. Um, I think that that is a, uh, a truth about it, that um, not necessarily do these things heal, but it, it, you know, it definitely begins to subside. And that's where I kind of came up with the thought that Sister Carnahan mentioned as well, that it never really fully heals everything. I mean, in my mind, healing, I think of uh, completely being restored. And so uh, with a lot of these sorrows in our lives, they're never going to truly heal over, but there is going to be a scar that will remain after that. And I think that there's a purpose for that as well in the kingdom of God is that God is trying to remind us where he has taken us from or where he has brought us or maybe some of the things that we were involved with. Um, 
even after my, my lung surgeries, I have scars on my sides. And even today, I, I looked at those and it, it just brought me back to that moment and reminded me how gracious God was when he took me through that time and, and just brought me to a place of, of solitude inside of him and thankfulness for who he is. I know that that's physical, but that's that, that relates as well um, to some of these mental things as well. And so don't try to wash away scars if, if they're there. Let them be a testimony of God and let them be a testimony of how he brought you through uh, some of these things as well. And so great comments. You all are, are right on the money there. And so this again, that even though we have these sorrows and these things and these, these pieces that we are going to go through, that uh, we have hope at the same time. And so as disciples of Jesus Christ, we have hope that is beyond this life. We have hope that is beyond this life. Now, as I go through some of these points, there's just going to be scripture after scripture after scripture that we are going to be going through. But um, I, I hope that these encourage you. And if you want to write them down, these are all good scriptures that would be good to memorize, uh, to put in your mind. And again, if you struggle with memorizing scripture, download an app for your phone. There's an app called Verses that encourages you every day. It has all sorts of games that you can play uh, to memorize scripture. It's an awesome app. I love I love what it does. And you can even challenge friends. You can link up with friends or with different people to use it. But memorize scripture. Get these things deep down inside of you, especially if you're dealing with sorrow on a lot of bases or a lot of different times. You got to have scripture. You got to have God impacting you through this. I, that's how I, I truly got through those years as being a police officer, walking into households and seeing death and carrying bodies and all these different stories and the, these places that we had to go into and, and things that you would walk back to your car and just feel man just so down but the way that you would lift yourself out of that is by trusting in god and letting him just work through that circumstance with his scripture and so let's dive into one of these scriptures here that says this it says this that these things have i spoken unto you that in me you might have peace and in the world you shall have tribulation but be of good cheer for i have overcome the world it really begins to give you some hope there doesn't it that that jesus here speaking in these things He's saying that, first of all, that we will have peace in him, but also that we are going to have tribulation in the world. He's not excusing that we won't have tribulation, but he's telling us to be of good cheer because even though we have tribulation in the world, he has overcome the world. He has given us freedom from some of those things that are around us, that even though we may physically be dealing with it right now, we know that at one point in time we are going to rise above it and become something new inside of that. He has given us an abundance to work through that in Jesus name and so because of this hope that Jesus has given us we are not distressed when we are faced with troubles because we have hope we are not distressed when we are faced with troubles we might be sorrowful we might face some grief inside of our lives or some things that that do hurt deep down inside of us but we aren't distressed to the point where we we completely go off the deep end and, and all of that sort of crazy thing Jesus has given us the strength inside of this. Let me read you some, some more scripture here. 2 Corinthians 4 and 8. This isn't in, in the slides, but it says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. Pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. That's incredible when you begin to think about it. That maybe some of you tonight or over this time, you have been feeling the weight of this world crushing you. Maybe you're brand new in this this church thing and you've been like, man, you know, I, I hear people speak about this freedom and this peace, but I feel a lot of weight every day of people saying things in my job and my family and, and just these things that seem to be pressing, pressing in on me and I don't know how much longer I can take it. Well, let me tell you tonight that God has given you the ability to where you are not crushed, that you can have hope in the midst of circumstances that seem to be pushing on you from every side that it possibly can. That you should not give up hope tonight. You should not give up hope in God because he is there to, to break you free from all of that in Jesus' name. Again, God's promises or God promises that his strength is going to be the strength that will sustain us. Another scripture, Isaiah 40, 31, it says, but those that hope in the Lord will renew their strength they will soar on wings like eagles they will run and not grow weary they will walk and they will not be faint 
If you have a chance, I encourage you to go look up a message that Lee Stone King preaches about this exact scripture, about soaring on wings of eagle. It will change your mindset on the scripture and expound it so much more so. Things like when a baby eagle learns to fly, that sometimes they got to be pushed out of the nest in order to learn how to fly and soar with wings as an eagle like that. Sometimes God will push us. Sometimes we'll feel that pressure that it'll be like, well, I'm going to go off the edge of the nest and I don't know, I'm just going to start to free fall. And, and we're questioning God about why we're facing this pressure. Well, maybe it's because God wants you to begin to expand your wings and soar to new heights. You see, everything that God does inside of our lives, there is a hope in it. There, there is a power in it. There is a reason that God is doing it and letting you go through it because he wants you to soar with wings like an eagle the most powerful bird that is out there that nothing can touch it that, that, that bears are scared of these things because of how powerful they are there's a reason that God gave us this scripture here to show us how powerful you truly are when you are anointed by his presence and his strength in Jesus name you have hope inside of that again that you will not faint I could go into many different places but again Psalms 46 and 1, that God is our refuge and our strength. In Psalm 73, 26, it says, My flesh and my heart, that they may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, and He is my portion forever. That these things around me, I might have a heart attack or, or whatever, that these things may fail me in this, this current life. However, God is my hope in these circumstances, in Jesus' name. And we can trust in that. And we can trust in that. And so I want you to think about this. You don't have to respond tonight, but you can think about this. Has God ever been your refuge and your strength? Or when has God been your refuge and strength? I think is the better question. Because I think no matter how long you've been a Christian, you can see a point in your life that God has been your refuge and your strength at some point in this. In Jesus' name. And so we have hope in Him. But I continue on because there's much more to go through here tonight to encourage you with. In Jesus' name, if you feel like just giving him uh, some praise at some point, just having a praise break inside of your house, then you do it. You, you let God have the praise for all of this tonight because we are so incredibly thankful for the hope that he has put inside of our lives. I'm just, man, I feel the Holy Ghost and I am excited about what he is doing tonight in Jesus' name. And so it says this, that because we have hope, we do not have to despair when difficulties begin to come our way. Wait, we do not have to despair when difficulties come our way. I think there's a scripture here. Yes, yeah, 2 Corinthians 4 and 8. And it says that we are troubled on every side, yet we are not distressed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. What, what does perplexed mean here in the scripture? What does it mean to be perplexed in, in our lives? It means this, to be in difficulties or at a loss. To be in difficulties or to be at a loss. You're at a place where you're saying, man, I'm at the edge of that nest. And it's a long, steep drop outside of that. And I don't know what else is happening, but I keep getting nudged closer and closer and closer to it. God, I, I don't know what you're doing inside of this. But what we can trust in in this scripture is it says that we don't need to despair that. That if we are walking in God, we don't need to be fearful of being at a loss. There's times that we're not going to sense the next step that God wants us to take. There's times that we're going to be in a place where we are not exactly knowing the details of every part of our lives, and that's okay. We just have to trust that there is a hope in God, that there is a power in His name through these scriptures. Because God has given us an abundant hope. And that is what we are learning about tonight, that there is abundant hope. As I said at the beginning, that abundance is something that you can tap into whenever you want to. It's not going to run out, just like the toilet paper in the stores. No matter how many people come and try to get a hold of it, no matter how, people, how many people want a piece of this, that you can have abundant hope. Whether you can make it to the front of the altar or you're all the way in the back, you can have an abundance of Jesus no matter where you're at in your household right now. Even if you are feeling separated from the church, those of you who are sick and have not been able to make it to church because of uh, you know various things that are going on in your lives, I feel for you that that has to be hard and, and tough inside of your lives, but you are not without hope tonight. You're not without despair. Jesus, God has given you an abundant hope that is pouring into your household tonight on this live stream in Jesus' name. It goes on to say that because we have hope, we do not have to fear being forsaken when we are persecuted. Because we have hope, we don't have to fear being forsaken 
when we are persecuted. And all of us as human beings, we desire relationships. We desire uh, having a friend. We desire having people that we can talk to. And if we don't have those things, life can be extremely hard and tough. That all of these surveys and things that the psychologists have done, they all prove this as well. They say that we are meant to be social creatures, that we're meant to have relationships, not only with one another, but we're meant to have relationships with God. And so being forsaken is a fear that sometimes creeps up inside of our lives, especially when people begin to step away from us, especially when we begin to become persecuted inside of, of, of these different ways. But we also must remember that we haven't been promised a freedom from being persecuted. That as much as we would love not to be persecuted, God has never once said in Scripture that you will not be persecuted. He hasn't given us that promise. But we are going to face these. We are going to face persecution. And I can tell you that when you begin to speak the Word of God, when you begin to teach and, and preach, when you begin to teach Bible studies, when you begin to do these things, I'll, I'll just throw it out there, that there's going to be times that you're going to become persecuted because people are going to think that you're picking on them. They're going to think that you specifically said something directed towards them. But if you did it under the, under the anointing of God, then there is no reason to fear being forsaken because God will not forsake you in that circumstance. God will not leave you high and dry. And you want to know why I can say that? Let, let me bring up this scripture here. It says this, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Jesus knew, or he knows what it is like to be misunderstood, to be persecuted, to be accused of wrong, even though every single thing that he did was purely right. He did not sin once. He did not do one wrong thing. But Jesus knew and he experienced that inside of his life. And so for us to say that we are not going to have that, I'm sorry to say, I hope this doesn't hurt you tonight or, or cause you to say, man, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. But you're going to face persecution. But it's okay because you have hope in Christ and you have hope in the church and you have hope in these things that are around us in Jesus' name. And we must always remember that we, um, well, I'll bring that up in just a second, but here's some more scripture here. For you tonight and in John 15 and 20 it says remember the word that I said unto you the servant is not greater than his Lord and if they have persecuted me then they are going to also persecute you and if they have kept my saying then they're going to keep yours also Jesus is telling us that there is going to be a challenge I've taught Bible studies and I've had people walk away and cut them off saying man we don't want a part of that anymore because you're you're, you're it's too strong it's too great well, I'm sorry, but I'm going to teach the truth of God. I'm going to teach what's real there because I don't want somebody to miss the mark in the end. I don't want somebody to not finish the race because I taught them something that was inaccurate or, or just a little piece of scripture instead of telling them the whole piece of scripture. I'm going to lay it all out there, but we do it in a kind way, a loving way in Jesus' name. Another scripture that encourages us in this, it says, Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doeth go with thee. He will not fail you, nor forsake you. And I know that this was addressed to the Israelites, but it's saying that again, that he, so many times through scripture, he proves it, that he will not leave you, nor forsake you. Again, Hebrews 13 and 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Again, New Testament speaking to us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. It's powerful. So because we have hope, we do not have to fear defeat even when we are knocked down. It says this in scripture, Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. You may fall and trip, but you aren't meant to get destroyed when you fall and trip. You may mess up at some point in your life. You may do it on a platform in front of a bunch of people, but that is not meant to destroy you, but it's meant to be a learning lesson that God begins to reach down into us and picks us up and takes us to new heights. Another scripture in Micah says this, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord is going to be a light unto me. He is going to be that light unto me. And so it's saying, don't rejoice against me, enemy. And when you think of this scripture, if you're thinking of, of a person, like that your enemy is a person coming to your mind, 
I'm, I'm sorry, but that's not what the scripture is referring to here. The scripture says that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and, and these other things. Scripture says that we are not battling against people. And so the scripture here is not saying that the, these people, um, you know, we're, we're not speaking about these enemies, but we're, we're driving it back to darkness, to Satan, to his kingdom, that you will not rejoice against me when I fall because I will arise and God will take me to new heights and new places and God is going to be a light unto me in Jesus name so failure does not have to be final inside of your life tonight you have abundant hope your failure does not have to be final tonight your final stamp of saying I'm not serving God anymore no it doesn't have to be that way tonight in our lives as Christians our only responsibility only responsibility is to continue walking and living by faith keeping our eyes on Jesus that that really begins to make it simple right it breaks it down to where it's like man you know I have this whole scripture in this Bible in front of me how do I even begin to do any of this it breaks it down when we think our only responsibility is to continue walking and living by faith keeping our eyes on Jesus. And if we will do this, then we are guaranteed eternal life with Jesus Christ in heaven. If you will do these simple things, you are guaranteed. And I'm not saying that you do it once and once saved, always saved. Please don't mistake me tonight by any means. But it's a continuous walk, living by faith, daily doing these things. You are guaranteed an eternal life with Jesus Christ in heaven. It's powerful. Let me go through some more of this because, man, there's just scriptures listed out forever in this PowerPoint. But it's awesome because it's encouraging. And I hope it's encouraging to you tonight in Jesus' name as well. It says this, Before Jesus came, we were without hope and we were lost in our sins. But thankfully, as we know, when Jesus went to that cross and died on that cross, that we were no longer lost in all of those sins. Because it says this in scripture, for by of one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and, of, and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, which is Jesus Christ. Let me read this in a different translation to maybe bring it to context here. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of his righteousness reign in life? Uh, through the one man, which is Jesus Christ. The first part of the scripture is referring to Adam. That if because of Adam's sin, or Adam and Eve basically, that because of Adam's death, or, or because of his sin, that death was able to reign and basically overcome and separate us from God. If it was able to do that for such a long time, that how much more so when it's God in the flesh that comes down here and changes things all about, that we should be able to reign in life or have hope in this life through Jesus Christ and what he has done. You see, sin does not have to overcome you. Your fears do not have to overcome you. Your despairs do not have to overcome you. But Jesus has defeated all that stuff when he went to the cross. And he said, I wanted you to become a light inside of this world that my light shine through you. And because of his resurrection, we have been given a hope of our own resurrection in Jesus name that there is one day that we will be caught up in the clouds together that one day we will hear that trumpet sound that we will be uh, with him in his kingdom it says this in 2nd Corinthians 4 and 14 knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you again that if you are born again of the water and the spirit, which is part of that process, that if you begin walking, living by faith, keeping your eyes on Jesus, then it will begin to unfold before you. That man, I need to be baptized in Jesus' name. The apostles did it. Jesus showed us that it needed to happen. All of these people in the New Testament were baptized in Jesus' name. And if they were baptized in anything else, they, they said, man, you need to be rebaptized. You need to be baptized in, the, in Jesus' name because that baptism doesn't count. You see it all throughout the New Testament. If you're living and walking by faith, you'll begin to see this and feel the draw to accomplish this. And, and being filled with His Spirit, you'll begin to see that in the book of Acts, it fell upon a household very powerfully in an upper room that 120 began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them 
the utterance that God was moving. There is hope in these circumstances. You'll begin to feel the longing and the pull to these different places because of the resurrection that Jesus has given to us. In Romans 8 and 11, it says this, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. That God will give you, and I guess this is in King James Version here, but He's going to quicken our mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. He's going to quicken us right now. If you remember the Old Testament story, the prophet had died and, and was thrown into a grave and, and they began to throw these bodies in there and these bodies, when they would touch this dead prophet, would begin to come back to life and were alive. That, that's a story that exemplifies many different things, but one of the things is basically that, man, when we die and, and we, we touch Jesus, we are meant to become a new creature, brand new in, inside of this life. It's a hope that you have as a human being. An incredible hope and so we've been given this hope as well a hope of renewal that we were once a particular human being we were once and once a particular man but when we, we went down in those waters of baptism Jesus made us a brand new creature we became a brand new being in who he was that we are a new man and you can feel it you can sense it when you watch baptisms when you see the photos of people who are being baptized you can just begin to feel that draw man I remember when I was brand new as well and I was a new man in Jesus Christ and I began to face those challenges and, and, and those things that even though I had issues I knew that there was hope and God could get me through this in Jesus name and though our flesh is dying daily our spiritual man is being strengthened every day looking forward to the day that it one one day is walking down a street of gold in, in that particular place you see this flesh right now as i get older it's going to get weaker and weaker in many different circumstances and it's eventually going to fade away but that doesn't mean that spiritually i have to be weak spiritually i want to be growing stronger i want to be gaining ground with god i want to be coming something better every day for his kingdom so that i can resist more and more and take on more and more weight to say god you you can give me the strength to fight back these battles that are around me you see it says this again in scripture for which cause we faint not but though our outward man perish the inward man is renewed day by day you again begin to see why it's essential to be in prayer to be in, in bible reading to be seeking god out with these simple things daily because daily we want to be spiritually strengthened we want to be taking steps forward we want to be moving forward in his kingdom even if we are in a place of sorrow or grief and the lord's promises or he promises us strength that we need to keep going the strength to run that race more scripture that it is of the lord's mercies that we are not consumed because of his compassions fail or because his compassions fail not that they aren't going to cease to exist they aren't going to fail you but they will be there and so we have also or it goes on to say that they are new every morning and great is thy faithfulness it's so refreshing when you go to bed one night after you've been facing all these battles. I, I know that that's one of my things that, um, man, you know, you've had a tough day and you go to bed and the next morning you wake up and you can just feel the peace of God again. It's new every morning. He's faithful to meet you there, faithful to stand on the side of your bed and meet you when you step out of your bed in the morning. It's incredibly powerful. You see, you have hope. You have hope in the midst of sorrow and grief goes on to say this that we have also been given a hope of glory and scripture again on this for our light affliction which is but for a moment worketh us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory but let me break this down just a little bit here because i realize there's a lot inside of this scripture but it's basically saying that the things that we're dwelling in right now the battles the issues that we have right now they're really light they're really nothing compared to what it will be like when we get to heaven. And God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. When God says, man, you went through that storm, but you were able to reach 10 people in the midst of it. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That there is an eternal weight of glory 
on some of these things that you're facing right now. And when you begin to take your mindset out of me, myself, and I and the particular circumstance that you're involved in and begin to see that there's hope in God, but not only that, that there is an eternal hope of glory for what you are involved in right now, when you begin to see that, it begins to say, man, let me run a million miles a day. Let me do all these things, God, that even though I may be bombarded on every side, that there is hope in you and I can make it through this, God, to reach more people, to see more people see your glory. This says this, that we have hope that what is going to be produced from our lives will be full of honor, splendor, value, and worth. We are promised that the outcome of our lives live for Jesus Christ on this earth will far outweigh and be greater than anything we ever experienced in this life. What awaits us is beyond comprehension. And again, there's so many scriptures that show us this over and over again, that it says that what we do, we don't need to do it unto mankind, but we need to do it unto the Lord. So your prayer closet, you should not be blasting on Facebook, man, I'm, I'm an incredible prayer of 10 hours a day. No, that, that's pride that's getting you into a particular place. But some things that you are going through are meant to be with you and God, and God will give you the strength. Please always feel willing to approach your pastor about it and, and, and get wisdom inside of your particular circumstance. But just because you're going through something doesn't mean that you should be on Facebook saying, man, I'm going through these problems and these issues. And certainly cry out for help if you need it. But if it's a, a frequent thing, if every single day there's something that's coming up, then maybe it's time that we begin to put our dependence on God more so than the, these people around us. Maybe it's time that we begin to say, God, you're the one that needs to strengthen me in this. I'm thankful for the times when I was going through a circumstance and I tried calling people and they did not answer. Because those were the times that caused me to say, well, God, I guess if nobody else is going to be there, you're my last resort. And when I turned to him, he soon eventually began to become the first resort. That, man, I need to turn to God. And then if I'm still struggling with things, then maybe I can begin to expound on this in some of these other areas of my life. But we begin to see that he is the only one that can provide the true hope we need in the midst of these sorrows and these circumstances. Again, let me show you this scripture. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. We must fix our eyes upon his hope. And it says this in 2 Corinthians 4 and 8, that while we look not at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen, they're temporary. But the things which are not seen, those are eternal. A powerful scripture when you begin to think about this. That we are meant to look at Fox News, CNN, all these news media sources that are going on right now. We're not meant to let them be our perspective of COVID, all the rumor mills of China and the United States and all these things. Politics and which side are you on and all this sort of stuff. That that's not meant, those are things that we can see around us. Those aren't meant to be the guiding factor inside of our lives. But, and those things are ultimately temporary. If we'll be back in church worshiping like we once were at some point in time, it's going to happen. God will let it happen. But also, we must remember that we must be focused on those things which are unseen. Because those are the eternal factors. That even though we're going through sorrows and griefs right now, it's something that's physical around us. But the thing that we cannot see that what that's the thing that we must be concerned about that's the thing that we must begin to draw unto God and who he is it's only by fixing our eyes that we can help maintain our purpose and we can continue to follow faithfully after Jesus Christ there are many distractions but there is only one hope and that hope is what increases our hold on abundant life and so if you desire abundant life, if you desire abundant hope in your life as well, if you desire these things there, then what you need to do is focus your eyes on Jesus. Again, just a simple concept. Focus on Jesus and not what is going on around you. It's so easy, just like Lot's wife, that, that she was going one place and God said, don't look back at, at this destruction. Don't look back at these terrible things. Don't look at what's going to cause you sorrow and grief inside of your lives. You, you know what's going on inside there. You don't need any more of it. God instructed her to not look back, but she did anyway. And she ended up turning to that pillar of salt. 
I think God was exemplifying something to us there, that there are times that we need to just keep our eyes focused on Jesus. I understand that the enemy can be right there nipping at your heels, and you can feel it. You, you, maybe Lot's wife could feel the heat from the city and what God was doing inside of that. But but you got to keep your eyes focused on Jesus and say, you know what, no matter what the enemy is going to do, there's better hope this direction than what was ever behind me. And so I am going to go forward. The song says it that I am not going to go back. I am not going back to those things that, that were that way. I'm going to keep my hope, my focus on Jesus. And I pray tonight that that is your prayer, that you want to keep your focus on Jesus, that you want to just keep your eyes on him, even in the midst of these storms around. You're, you're going to face sorrow and grief, and these things are going to be in your life, but you can keep your eyes on him and see hope in him, that he's still that bright and shining light inside of your lives tonight, Jesus' name. So don't let distractions cause you to waver. And so tonight I'm going to read this last story that I think will help bring this to a point in your life says this, that during the Second World War, the U.S. Army was forced to retreat from the Philippines. Some of their soldiers were left behind and became prisoners of the Japanese, and the men called themselves ghosts or souls unseen by their nation. And on the infamous Batten Death March, they were forced to walk over 70 miles, knowing that those who were slow or weak would be bayoneted by their captors or die from dysentery or lack of water. Those who made it through the march spent the next three years in a hellish prisoner of war camp. By early 1945, 513 men were still alive at the Cabanuchian uh, prison camp, but they were giving up, or they, they were giving up hope. The U.S. Army was on its way back, but the prisoner of wars had heard the frightening news that prisoners were being executed as the Japanese retreated from this advancing U.S. Army. Their wavering hope was, however, met by one of the most magnificent rescues of wartime history. In an astonishing feat, 120 United States Army soldiers, just 120, and 200 Filipino guerrillas, so 120 plus 200, 320, outflanked 8,000 Japanese soldiers to rescue the prisoner of war, or all these prisoner of wars. L.V. Robbins was one of the rescuers. He describes how he found a prisoner muttering in a darkened corner of his barracks, tears cursing down his face. I thought we'd been forgotten, the prisoner said. No, you're not forgotten, Robbins said softly. You're heroes, and we've come for you. When struggles come and life flips upside down, we can begin to believe that God has forgotten all about us. We can feel abandoned and end up considering despair, but the message of the gospel offers us hope, an abundant hope. The cross tells us that we are not forgotten, and the reality of the resurrection challenges us to believe that one day we will see our Savior and we will be rescued from imprisonment of this life. And on that day, when the trump of God sounds, we will hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant, I have come for you in Jesus' name. I don't know about you, but I am excited. I am thankful. I am ready for that day to come. But right now, I still know that we have hope in who he is. If you could bow your heads, close your eyes with me, lift your hands to Jesus. Let's just pray one last time tonight. God, we are so thankful for the hope that you have poured into our lives. God, we are thankful for the abundant hope, Jesus, that you have given every one of us from your death on the cross. God, we are thankful for eternal life, God, but we are also thankful for your strength right now that even though we are pressed on every side, we are not crushed, God, that even though it seems that death is around us, Lord, and grief and sorrow in so many circumstances, Lord, we can have faith in you, Lord, and know that your glory and honor can be brought up through all of these circumstances. God, I pray for everyone under my sound, the sound of my voice tonight, God, that you would pour hope in their lives. God, that you would encourage them tonight, that you are there with them, even inside of circumstances where it feels like you are not, God. You are encouraging them tonight, Jesus, and you are strengthening them, God, Lord, to fight back against what has taken captive for far too long. And Jesus, it 
is only through your name, God, through your strength in that, God, that we have hope, and Lord, that we can trust in your resurrection and know the greatness of your power, Jesus. Thank you for your scripture, God. Thank you for the hope that you have given to us, Lord. We believe you for it, God, and we are thankful tonight in Jesus' name. Let's just praise him and thank him one more time. God, we are so thankful, Lord, for all that you are doing. We give you praise and glory, Jesus. We magnify your name, God. We give you the honor, Jesus, tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. Mm, we thank you, God. We thank you, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We praise your wonderful name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. I th I'm thankful that you all were willing to stick with us tonight and tap into this. I know it was a little different. Um, but in all reality, if, if this coworker does end up testing positive, I, I'm praying they don't. I don't think they will. Um, I'm believing that they won't. But if they do end up testing positive, then I will be quarantined for 14 days. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're just going to, the test should come back tomorrow. So let's pray that that does not happen in Jesus' name. And uh, we will just believe that, uh, that God is going to do some good things. So don't forget about church on Sunday. Uh, Sunday morning is when we will be having church and uh, Sunday night is uh, canceled so that you can spend time with your families. I believe that there's a get-together um, at some point. Um, we'll, we'll think about that, um, all that good stuff. And then um, I can't remember which group is in the sanctuary and which one is not. So we will send out a text to you all. Um, thankfully, you've been able to still fit everybody in the sanctuary. Um, but, you know, as people continue to come back, um, we might need the fellowship hall as well. And so I'm believing with you. I'm praying for you all. Trusting that God is doing good things during this time. Let's let him take us to new heights and new avenues during this time and not get crushed by what is happening around us in Jesus' name. I appreciate you all. You have a good night. And if you need anything, please reach out to us.